0: 100 years have passed, 100 years since the defeat of the last independent nawab of Bengal in the Battle of Palasi. 100 years since the British East India Company took the first concrete step towards the dream of colonizing India. It may be surprising to think that on the same battlefield, the background of an unprecedented history of exploitation got written on one side. On the other hand, the stage for a long struggle was being prepared. Welcome to the first episode of the season two of the revolution untold story of Indian freedom struggle. I am Kaushik Mazumdar and in this season we will talk about the first war of independence which British historians like to call Indian Mutiny. In these hundred years we have seen the British East India Company Seize power all over India by applying whatever policies they could. Although the initial anti-British struggle started as a struggle for supremacy between the two warring powers, we have seen in the last episodes how that fight against the British East India Company became a rebellion by the people. We also learned that Wellesley introduced the doctrine of subsidiary alliance to make Indian states and kings puppets of the British rulers. However, the arms of those kings, starting from the disbanded soldiers and the sanasi folkies, had reached the hands of ordinary people who had their backs against the wall under the burden of excessive taxes. We have also seen that Indian supplies were relied upon by the British East India Company to quell any revolts that arose in the geographical India. Be it the Chennai army against the Marathas or the Bengal Sipahis against Punjab, Indian subjects gave their lives on both sides. In 1833, Peshwa Bajirao Too was relocated to Bithur. However, the British East India Company was responsible for Peshwa's upkeep, while Prince Nana adopted son of Peshwa Bajirao, and his brother Rao Shaheb studied under an English teacher in Bithur's palace. A little girl, Chabeli, from a short distance would learn as much as she could. The girl's childhood name was Manubai. When she was only four, her father Mirapan moved the family from Varanasi to Bajirao's Bithur. the girl's name was Chabeli Maina. When Nana rode on the elephant, that girl would come near and say, won't you take me with you? Sometimes, Nana would wait for Chabeli on his horse. In a while, Chabeli joined him on another horse. The 7-year-old girl and the 18-year-old prince used to ride together along the banks of Ganges. In 1842, eight-year-old Chabeli was married to Maharaja Gangadhar Rao of Chhansi. Part the Maharashtrian custom, she was named Lakshmi Bai at her in-law's house. Meanwhile, the board of directors of the East India Company in London decided to implement the Doctrine of lapse to delegitimize the rights of the adopted heirs of the princely states in India. Later, Dalhousie aggressively applied the Doctrine of lapse to captured the remaining Indian states. After the death of Bajirao II in 1851, Prince Nana became the victim of Dalhousie's policy. The company refused to take over the maintenance of the deceased Bajirao's adopted son, Nana Sahib. When Nana Sahib appealed to the Council of England, the well-educated Ajimullah Khan went there to defend Nana Sahib. Although his mission to London failed, Ajimullah Khan returned to India after traveling around different countries, for about three years. Because the empire of the adversary was not only limited to Hindustan and the spark of rebellion against the ruler was also spread all over the world, Ajimullah Khan sent a message to Nana Sahib that he would have to stay outside the country for a few more years to achieve his desired goal. What was the intention? The Englishmen must be hit by their armed forces. Ajimullah Khan toured Europe to understand whether it is possible to get help from any European country in India's upcoming war of independence. Then he went to Turkey. The emperor of Turkey was the, then the Caliph of the entire Muslim community. Then he returned home from Russia via Egypt. Meanwhile, when Lord Dalhousie returned to England at the end of his reign in 1856, the greater part of India had become a smoldering volcano of discontent. His misapplication of the state-grab policy at Punjab, Ayat, Nakpus, Sitara, Chhansi, Berar, etc. fueled humiliation in the hearts of the Indian people. During these three years, when Ajimullah Khan was traveling abroad, Nana Shaheb was preparing the ground for uprising, while the British company was occupied with repressing peasant and tribal revolts in different parts of the nation. The whole country seems to be preparing for the invisible in an invisible rhythm. Mallison concluded that the coup of 1857 was not carried out for new rifle cartridges and was not planned by the sepires. The disgruntled conspirators used this pretext very skillfully to inflame the sepires. Most of these conspirators were from Ayat. Nana Sahib visited Delhi, Ambala, Lucknow and Jhasi and took final preparations. He returned to Bitur at the end of April. The rumour of the upcoming rebellion was spread across the country in strange ways. A series of strange events began across the country. There were reports of mysterious Fokirs and Molavis travelling from village to village, giving secret messages to small gatherings. Some unknown people came from the forest and handed four chapatis to the sipais of the village or town. And ordered them to make four more chapatis and give them to the sipas of the neighboring villages. Some British officers reported that five chapatis had been handed over to their sipas by a group of strangers and ordered each of the sipas to make five more such chapatis and distribute them to the sipas of five other villages. It was reported that the chapatis were reaching some village or town about 150 miles away in one night. Also, Lotus petals and pieces of meat began to be exchanged among the native sepais, from one regiment to another. Even after questioning, no information could be gathered from the sepais. In the bazaars and the street gatherings, talks began that the results of the Afghan and Crimean wars proved that the British were not invincible at all. It was planned that the sepais of all the major cantonments of the country will simultaneously declare rebellion against the British East India Company. The day was chosen to be such that almost every Englishman would assemble at church for prayer. It would be easy to defeat them. The date of the uprising was set for Sunday, May 31, 1857. But by then, a lot of water had flown.
1: Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page from episode notes and resources. Visit us at forward subscribe to the revolution untold story of Indian freedom struggle at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Productions INC in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shishmita Mazumdar from KS Productions INC and Shauli Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maiti. Content developed by Dipanjan Maity and Koshik Mazumdar. Original music composed and designed by Shotojit Shem. Also used compositions by Kazi Nasrul Islam.
0: Stay safe, stay healthy.